I have this memory that Jeff Bezos's goal was to have 16% GDP in his control. <laughs> Give me the confidence to, some, to, to put that on my OKRs, right? Like Jason, that's Hexclad's new thing. Yeah. One hey guys, we're not actually GDP. putting together traditional financial goals this year. We're, we're going to transition from numbers to percentages of GDP. At some point, Hexclad's growth plan switches from percent year over year growth to here's our GDP target. <laughs> Jason's like, guys, think Netherlands. And they're like, oh, we're expanding to the Netherlands. It's like, no, we're going to be bigger than their economy next year. So I want everybody to say one positive emotion. So Matt, go first. What's your positive emotion? Excited. Okay, Mike, what's your positive emotion? Optimism. Okay, Jason, what's your positive emotion? Happy. Right. Mine is love. That's the way we feel about our new premier sponsor, Fulfill. We're full of excitement, love, optimism. We're happy to have Fulfill as our premier flagship sponsor uh if you need erp needs fulfill is the place to go because we love them in, in our heart of hearts so it's episode 22 there's no agenda today we're just gonna go talk e-commerce talk what's happening it started last year but i'm like we are just gonna lean in all the way on doing drops around ornamentation and so we were like okay we're, we're hitting this hard i think i told you guys like I wanted to get to where we were doing almost one a day by some time in the next year or so. And anyway, we they were they were just crushing it for us. And then the last month they had started to slow down because we had done so many. And internally there was a little bit of like, hey, have we gone too far with this? And then today happened where it's like a reminder of like, nope, you just you gotta keep going back to the well. But then we took, we had a couple things that we really overbought for the website. We bought them as website exclusives, but we overbought them. And we weren't planning on selling them on Amazon, but we're like, well, we're, we're overbought, might as well. So we stuck them on Amazon in our listing and we, we turned on a best deal and that thing's just gone bonkers when we gave it just a little bit of kindling at discount. So now we're selling 10,000 treks a day on, on Amazon. We've got one listing that's doing like 300K a day on Amazon while this is going on over on the website. So I'm, I'm riding high today. Wow. I don't, nice. I don't know. We, we, Probably it's probably a million dollar plus, maybe one point two million in retail dollars today across the business. Wow. So feeling good. Dude, that's impressive for like Thursday after Labor Day. Yeah. September seventh. Yeah. This is like the little did you for know. us. September Black and Friday October are like the low point of the year. Damn. Dude, and, and you're drinking a prime? Damn. God, dude, Mike, Mike's on top of the world. He's hanging out with Logan Paul. He's, Let's go. he's having million-dollar days, just crushing it. All right, we're going to jump right well, into listen, it. I don't know I'm, if... I'm, not at, I'm not at Jason levels of execution where he's it multitasking, like podcasting. Like... I was going to say, that, dude, that's a, that's, a, that's a hexclad day right there. That's, that's <laughs> a good point. I, every once in a while, I get into the rare air that, of Jason's just normal Tuesday. I know he's dropping screenshots of million dollar days on his website. We just keep, we just see like, they're just this pent up demand. People are just waiting. And when we launch a deal, it just gets nuts. Um, yeah. you know, and that, and that's what happened. I was just actually looking at September. No, sorry. I was just looking at August and August. Our CAC was down 15 and a half percent over last August. Um, and our sales were up around 90%. Uh, and the big days were like, Sunday and Monday of in September. And we had definitely uh great, great, great performance. Team worked really hard. How did you like Monday last year? How did that do like Monday over Monday, Jason? Because I've heard from a bunch of people this Monday was like actually unusually strong. It was um it was actually it was really good, but it, it wasn't crazy. It was like 80%. Hmm. Or so. Oh yeah, nothing. Over no big year. deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no big numbers. Deal. For, for everybody listening, you you just That's not take normal. everything you know about numbers and just throw it out the window when you're talking to Jason. And this, that's what we all ask Jason. Right. If you're if you're feeling insecure about your business, don't don't talk to Jason. Don't ask him about his Labor Day sale or you know their year over year comps or anything like that.
<laughs> Jason, so, so here, here's my question for you. Where, where do you go from here, right? I mean, you, you did have an eight-figure Labor Day, but what does next year look like? We've talked a little bit in chat. You're doing a couple, you're hiring some agencies, you're hiring some internal people, but what does 2024 planning look like for a company like HexCloud? Yeah, we, um, I mean, we're just, we're sort of setting a growth target for next year and trying to like figure out how to hit it. And it's not going to be 110%, which is where we're trending this year. Um, I would be very comfortable growing 60% next year. I actually think it's going to be hard. It's just, we're just getting so big. Wow, large um, numbers, man. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have some big strategic bets, big strategic initiatives. Some of the things I've, um, mentioned in the chat they're, they're pretty they're pretty confidential but like on the media side um some pretty big partnerships that we have that we're really close with um we just uh announced like a month ago that we are the official cookware of the james beard awards which is very prestigious so i think there's more stuff like that we're just kind of leveling up the overall credibility and um, we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming with Gordon and, but fundamentally my vision for next year is, is to figure out like my goal is instead of people, when you're cooking at home, you're not even using the word cooking, you're hex cladding. Like that's the goal that I have for everyone at the company. I mean, obviously it's, it's never going to be the case, but like, that's the, that's like the ambition. That's the way we think about, how we want to make our customers feel next year. And if we can do that, I think that's, we want to go, it's like what you did with everyday carry, but cooking is just so huge. And instead of Googling a recipe, you should just be like, oh, let me see what Hexclad thinks. I want to make salmon tonight. You know, what, what's, what does Hexclad think I should do? Or even like cooking basics. There's so much that we can do because we're, we're, we're so deeply penetrating um big chefs now too and it's like we never even wanted to do that like we didn't even want to be a commercial brand we want to be a consumer brand we're still a consumer brand but we have this whole commercial angle i've got chefs hitting me up all the time hey can i get a deal on hexclad we don't even we're not even doing that yet so i think there's a ton of stuff for us um and there's there's also a lot of ltv products like we've been pretty good at dropping new products um you know the real issue guys is at some point like how many households are going to buy a $600 set of cookware from Hexclad. Like we all know. Well, and how many times? Like, it's the it's the mattress problem, right? Although you guys are much better than mattresses, but it's it's still like a I mean, Sean, it's your business. It's like the yeah. argument around the wallet. Like how many wallets mm -hmm. does somebody buy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jason, like I, dude, it's such a big idea. Like is there a is the who's the home for cooking now? Like who who's the brand, right? That like when you think of cooking that's the brand. Yeah, there are a few brands out there, um, like more on the media side, but I don't think anyone right. is really married together what we have. So we have our cookware, we have the best cookware, right? We can do that. We also have these strategic TV relationships now. Lots of, lots, you know, we're on all of Gordon's shows and we're going to be doing many more of those. So there's a way to marry like Hexclad kind of leveraging the media and leveraging the content to just make us really, really sticky. And it's not necessarily about having some kind of like subscription, which, which no. would be cool. I wouldn't turn that down, but it's more like just making it incredibly sticky so that you are, you're cooking at home, you're cooking on Hexlet. I mean, Matt, you're, you're, you're finally out of the dark ages. I, heard. I was about to comment. I, we've, we've entered again. Uh, I don't have a microwave still, but I now we officially have a Hexclad pan. In this house, fantastic! Welcome, welcome to. The I gotta family. season the damn thing though. I just really, yeah. I, I saw the instructions Dude, today, and I'm like, the what? whole seasoning Jason's thing. Jason's gonna give not that important. Not yeah, I mean, it's it, not. You should season it, but it's not that important. Uh, okay. See, my wife is anal about the stuff, guys. Okay, so, I'll tell Jason, you. I'll tell you why the seasoning matters. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I don't think I don't think our audience cares about the seasoning. Sorry, sorry, guys. But All right. What, <laughs> All right. What I, think, what I think our audience might care about is like once you get to the mid nine figures, and I'll just say that's a rough estimate of where Jason is. It's like 
what does the day-to-day of a president end up looking like, right? And 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 Mike and Matt, I want to hear you guys' perspective. I want to start with Jason. Like, you know, Jason, I was giving you this week because you were talking about an employee's title that is four rungs beneath you. And it's like, bud, you're, you are literally steering an aircraft carrier being like, oh, hey, what, what are the private shoes? Like, what color are they? It's like, man. The toilet's plugged. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> like, you're, you're, at a certain point, you just become a politician, right? Like, like the bigger a company gets, or at least that's, that's the way I see it. And like, that's where the way Ridge is going. But you're in the trenches, Jason, president of a nine figure brand. What are you doing tomorrow, Friday morning? What does your day look like? Yeah, you're you're right. It's absolute mayhem right now. Um, we, we're we were a little slow to hire. Um, you know, they say slow to hire, fast to fire. That was the philosophy, and so it, last year was really that like me doing way too many things, working with agencies. We've brought on a bunch of good people now, and we're starting to get to the point where we can delegate. But there are just like sort of like key things that I'm in, that I just, certain key hires, like this was actually what we were talking about was, was actually a pretty key hire for us because it's something that we didn't have internally. Um, but, you know, what am I doing? I'm really, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, the diplomacy side of it, you're absolutely right, Sean, there's, there's, there's so much of it, but I'm just trying to actually get people up to speed and steer people in the right direction and let them do the work. I recently brought on a business analyst, um, this kid Jasper, who went to college um, with my son, and he was a uh, he interned for us. And I'm like, this kid can just he's works hard and smart enough, and he's just gonna like take calls from me and do. Th- it's kind of like you you with the VAs. So I'm actively trying to do less, and I think it's getting there actually. Okay, great, Mike. What is your Day-to-day look like, nine-figure brand, what are you doing tomorrow morning? So primarily, my week is built around my one-on-ones. And uh, I try to be very consistent in having those. Um, That's me getting together. I I have 12 people that report to me at the company, which I think on a spectrum is probably... It's a lot. Way too high. Um, You know, and people will say that, I think for... For us, it works. There's also a lot of unique context with our company that a lot of our senior leaders are people that I had pre-existing relationships with. And uh, anyway, whether it's right or wrong, well, actually, that's let's, a big let's, part let's, of what I do. Let's stop right there and unpack that. Matt, sure. why is that too yeah, yeah. high? So like people listening to us are the CEO of an, of, of an eight-figure brand. They are managing every single person inside their organization. And this is a good kick in the pants they have to hear. Why is 12 people too high? Why is that an open? moment for you when you hear that i don't know how you get any like it's just a space and time thing like mm-hmm. there's a i mean there's a lot of science and a lot of study done behind this like there's a you should never have what like six to eight direct reports i mean it's a it's a oh god there's so many reasons so for <laughs> me <laughs> there's so many reasons okay so number one you know you're like the the, the ceo has like a bunch of jobs okay and managing people is not one of them. <laughs> like it's you have like, if you have like the six or seven jobs that a CEO has, managing a team is not one of them, right? Like that, there are people that are better at that than we are. Like when you're the, like the visionary and the, like I'm setting direction for the company. So Mike, mm-hmm. I think every business, now the caveat to all of this is every business is different. There are CEOs I've seen who are like incredible, they should be COOs. Like they're that good of an operator, right? I'm not one of those people. So like anything beyond a handful of reports gives me a freaking rash because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in 14 or 12 one-on-ones every week. I want like the two or three that are like the most impactful where my zone of genius can be like focused, right? Like, cause that's the other thing too. Like if you have, and I'm going to pick on you, Mike, right? Like when you have yeah, that many direct reports, there's no way that you're the smartest person in each one of those meetings. And if you are, you've got the wrong fucking direct reports. We're really digging into the MMM, media mix modeling with Northbeam right now. And uh, we're, we're, we're finding it really valuable. valuable. And I, I got a text this morning from 
another an excellent CMO of, of one of the best, fastest growing brands out there. And he's like, hey, we just signed on to, to Media Mix Modeling. So you've got to be a certain size and scale to do it. But we're we're super stoked about it. In fact, we were thinking about doing some incrementality testing too with something else. And it's like, you know what? Let's let's stick with the MMM stuff. And it's doing, uh, it's really interesting. I think it's going to add a lot of value for us. Well, and the, I think it's a great conversation because, you know, my first pushback is going to be, this is not one size fits all. Totally. It's, it's about for your business, for your context, your giftings. And so I think it's a really valid discussion of like, okay, your CEO, how do you use your time? How many people report to you? In my particular business, my view is that I have at least six or seven people that are CEO level thinkers, like they could run companies. And one of the reasons why we've been so successful is that we have a very abnormally high talent density. Like we probably have the talent density of a billion or a $5 mm -hmm. billion dollar company, but we've got it in a company doing 200 million in revenue. And there are some challenges to that, right? Like so there's some challenges to having that many kind of cooks in the same kitchen. So functionally, the way that I lead is I do a ton of empowering and letting those very gifted individuals exercise CEO-like qualities. And a lot of what I'm doing is more talking through things with them, you know, playing devil's advocate, challenging thinking, aligning when it, you know, they're starting to stray a little bit from the global strategy um, and also keeping kind of a balance where you can have that many talented and driven people not um, you know, running into conflict with each other. I think if I was having, if I felt like I had to push strategy through the organization, I think you're right. I think 12 is way too many, but instead I think it's more like I've aimed for a model of I'm going to get really highly capable leaders and I'm going to really empower them. And it's one of the reasons why it doesn't feel very stressful for me. And it's also why I need less hours where I'm just kind of sitting in a room thinking by myself. I mean, also like I'm an external processor, Matt, you're probably, you might be more of an internal processor. Am, and so yeah. for me, the very act of getting into conversations with different points of view, a lot of times is what triggers the breakthrough in my thinking that I wouldn't get if I was just sitting on my laptop or I, I had a piece of paper out and I was trying to kind of work through a, a problem. And so I find it pretty, I find it to, to really work for us in our particular context, but it just illustrates a point that we've made on this podcast numerous times, which is there's not a blueprint. There's not a way. It's about finding a competitive advantage, finding something that works for you and really driving towards it. So I, I probably have more than almost anybody you would talk to in terms of direct reports, but it's also like, just to give you an insight, the type of conversations we're having and the, the level of discussion and comfort we have with each other is a lot of times I'll take guys to the gym with me and it's like, I'm going to lift and our one-on-one -on -one is going to be, we're going to lift together and we're going to talk through whatever's top of mind for you right now, whatever problems you're trying to solve. And I can be, you know, sounding board and I can help bounce things off with you. Girdley had a really th good thing on Twitter where he talked about his one-on-ones and how he structures it. But one of his main I thoughts was like, the one-on-one -on -one is for them. It's a place for them to process and for them to bounce things off of you. It's not so much like you're, you know, you're the captain and you're telling them, hey, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. It's more you're making yourself available to them to help them work through the different things on their plate, um, different questions that they have. And that's, that's mostly how I try to handle that time. And then uh, I, I usually end it with one question. I, I picked this up somewhere along the way from somebody, but I think it's a really good one. What can I be doing for you? What is the way that I can be helping you to be the most effective? And sometimes people don't have an answer. Um, other times that they're like, oh, actually in this one area, you know, like I'm having, I'm having a problem with this other senior leader and getting aligned. Can you help us get aligned? You know, or I need more clarity from you on what the strategy is going to be here so that I can, I can plan out my steps. I think that's great, Mike. I mean, look, I, yes. Um, Sean, I just want to make one point because I think that, Mike, what you just hit on, which makes me like less um, want to throw up in my mouth about <laughs> the idea of that many reports, is like you're not doing, like you're not problem solving. I think like if people who are mm -hmm. listening to the show, like Sean, you said, like if you're a $10 million brand or a $5 million brand, a lot of your work is like firefighting and problem solving and it just doesn't scale. 
Like if yeah. you're, if, if like you've got direct reports and they're coming to you with shit to solve, like that, just, it just doesn't scale with that many people. Right. That's why you have to build structure and team and like rules of engagement principles, like all that stuff becomes really important to scale teams. Yeah. Oh, I just sorry, gonna, Sean, I cut. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're good guys. Uh, I just want to say that Mike, it sounds like you're actually a coach. Like I think you, you're role That's the, at the point company. I was going to make. That's the point I was going to make. And it's really an important point, which is I have a layers of leadership like thing I think through that has to do with company scale. And like every company, when you start, if you're a founder, you're a player. If you're not throwing touchdown passes, they're not happening. Like I know I've spent thousands of hours in Amazon advertising. I know how to run it better than most agencies because I was a player and I had to, and nobody else was there to do it for me. And then there's a level where you're a player coach, where you're still having to do executing and you're still having to do problem solving, but you're also simultaneously having to teach other people how to do it so you can hand off the baton. And then there's a layer after that where it's like you're exclusively a coach. No execution rests on you. Sean, you're there. Matt, you're there. Jason, you're there. That, that's where I'm at net right now. Um, maybe even starting to get to the level beyond that, like call it commission, call it general manager, where your mind is not really in the tactical day to day. And so, Matt, like if somebody starts coming into my office and talking about, you know, the 50 you know, fulfillments that we didn't do for target.com. It's like, no, 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 get that, get that out of here. Yeah. And, and none of the people do, they're not thinking about ever bringing that kind of thing to me. I rarely hear about that kind of stuff because that's not the role anymore. What I think you're saying is if you're in the player coach level where you're having to, there is some real execution and problem solving that's on your plate. And you're also trying to coach more than two or three people. You're going to blow yourself up. Like nobody yeah. has the capacity for that. Like, yeah. this is a, an amazing framework of thinking about a business. I think this is the, one of the best nuggets we've ever unlocked. Um, you said earlier, like, oh, we have, like, it sounds like too many cooks in the, in the kitchen. No, you actually have chefs, and you have chefs running their own restaurant, and you are just in there setting the tasting menu, right? Like, you are actually mm -hmm. in the coach position. So you can have 12 people where if they're independent, they're leaders, and it's good for their career development. They're running functions in your business. You can just coach them to the next level. I, I currently think I'm in the general manager position. And what does the general manager do? Bring people into the organization, right? That's the key mm -hmm. function of a general manager is making sure you get those, those you get the trades done, you get recruits in your, in your yeah. business. I'm just looking for new pieces. Yeah. 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 So we've heard, we heard from Mike, how he's running this, Matt, you're, you're the polar opposite. You're the yin to yang. What does your day-to-day -day look like Friday morning? What are you doing? Uh, well, Friday mornings are mine. So I have nothing scheduled. So I do like, it's like my thinking time for the week. Um, seriously. It's like, so I, I theme my days that might actually be a little unusual. I like, like my Mondays are kind of like my marketing day. Tuesdays are run the company day. So I do like my weekly leadership meeting. I do some one-on-ones with like a few key people. So they're not direct reports, but it's like, who are the people that I think investing in and coaching and like almost like internal consulting who do I think I can like help the most in the business? Right. And that shifts from week to week. So like Monday's marketing, Tuesday's leadership, Wednesdays is like my Pila case day. Cause I've got two businesses I got to run and I got like a, a COO for like each of those two businesses. So I spend, you know, that day is like digging into the weeds, help that brand out. That brand just decided to start ripping in, in August. So like it's way up. Um, so and then Thursdays is kind of my, like, what, what shit just needs to get done? So like, what's the dirty task list that even though I've got team and, and like, we've got great people, there's still crap that like, I'm going to have to do. And it could be like, I schedule my interviews on Thursdays. Um, I did like an investment meeting this morning. Like it's all that other stuff. That's kind of what Thursdays are. And then Fridays is like, fuck off Fridays. Right. Like I, that, I need time to actually like think because I am an internal thinker. Like if I don't get space to think, it just doesn't happen. Matt, is that why we do podcasts on Thursdays? Cause it's just like your whatever day. It's my, it's my like get the other shit done day. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Thursdays and Fridays cause like Monday through Wednesday, I don't know about you guys, but like when I come into a week on a Monday, there's just, there's like execution, right? Like we just have to operate the business. Um, Thursdays and Fridays are like board meetings and all the other, you know, like CEO stuff. 
that I think just happens. Like I got lawyers and bankers and all that crap. I try to stuff into Thursdays. Okay. No, so Matt, Matt, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, go ahead, Sean. I just have, I have a question whenever you're done. No, no, Mike, take it, dude. Run with it. Yeah, okay. So ahead, here's man. the, here's the outside pushback. Cause I love the feedback you were giving me. Here's the outside pushback. Why run two brands? Feels like Ooh. to me, like that's the I thing really that makes me to. feel crazy. Yeah, I don't want it's like, to. That's I think it's your mind in different directions, right? <laughs> Dude, I think it's so dumb. The only reason I we have two is because Lomi was born out of Pila Case. Hmm. Like, if we didn't have Pila Case, we wouldn't have had the insight into like the the actual like land grab that's happening in the U.S. around food waste and compostables to actually go make that product. So, and if I didn't have like, that's why Jason, I was so interested in your your comment about like being the home for cooking because like I love these bigger visions and like when I invested in Pila case I didn't give a shit about selling a phone case like I really didn't right I loved the material I was coming hot off of an exit I wanted to spend my time on something that I felt was worth solving and I just sort of got obsessive around this waste thing so like the mission for Pila case has always been like let's create a future without waste so when the idea for Lomi hit that felt on mission Right. Like it wasn't a D like most people would say like, well, that's a new category and a new brand, but like for us, it felt on mission. So we wanted to do it. But so if you were to look question. at it, Mike, if you were looking at our companies from a, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Do you have two separate P and L's for the businesses, two separate cap tables? Uh, two separate P and L's. I still only have one cap table. So we have a holding, like a, a hold co mm -hmm. And we have two operating companies with two separate P&Ls, two separate teams. I'm kind of like the consistent thing between both. Mm. So you have two different growth teams. You have a growth team running Facebook ads for phone cases and a growth team running Facebook ads for, for yep. Lomi. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds hard. I have one finance <laughs> so, team. <laughs> okay. So, so you're actually delivering the synergy that Thrasio promised. There's, there's, there's a... There's some layer of ops control across. <laughs> Matt is the trash aggregator. It's look, a new category look. he's yeah, raising. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, no, look, man. I mean, like, look, we Roman, like, we, our friend Roman does this, right? Like, how many companies does Roman have at this point? Uh, or Marty? Marty's running multiple brands. So, like, there's ways to do it. I, I think the re I don't like it because the customer for Pila Case and Lomi are so different. Mm-hmm. Like it would be, I think it would actually be a lot easier to find more synergy. Like I hate that word, but like, I don't have another one, but like, I think it would be easier to like have a creative team that like both could use. Um, but like, man, the, the customers are 20 years old apart. Like they're right. just not, they're like, one is Lomi's a grown up version of the Pila case customer. So, you know, I, I actually do have to context switch through the week now. I could tell you definitively, if I had to context switch between both brands every day, I'd jump off a building. Yeah, like I was going to ask how you manage it. Well, it's just compartmentalizing it around periods of time. That's why I theme my days, man. I just like, I don't, Yeah. it's also how I work. I think Mike, to your point, like each of us, each, everybody's different, duh. But like even founder CEOs, like entrepreneurs, we're, we're all strong in different areas, right? Like I have to theme my days because I, I don't context switch well. I kind of need to get obsessive about something for like extended periods of time. Matt, and I get pissy think, if I have to. So, so do you think you have a different role across both companies or, or do you stay in this like, it sounds like you're a coach too, right? Or, or do you consider yourself a player in both businesses? I'm like very much coach on the Lomi side, like coaching and communicating outward. You know, like Lomi is not a, I, I don't even think we should, like I can fairly call it a consumer business for long because of how much else is happening there, right? Like I have an enterprise sales team in Lomi. Like that's unusual in the land of D2C. Um, so like there's, that business has become much more like coach, communicator, uh, like outward facing, right? Investors, um, like partnerships, municipalities, like we're just so many different stakeholders in that company that I become much more of a voice and a politician, I feel. Um, Pila Case, I love consumer 
like I'm Sean, I mean, on one of our previous episodes, we talked about like you to be a consumer, you love, you need to love consumer. Like I grew up in a retail family. I freaking love retail. I like the world of physical things. So like peel a case, I actually still like, like I'm literally on my other screen. I have Facebook ads manager open on peel a case. <laughs> like, I actually have it open. Like I just love the game that much that I like getting in the weeds a bit. And so the team at Pila Case is this small team and it's designed kind of around the fact that like, I like getting in the weeds and I can be super helpful. Cause like I've been doing this for 15 years. I've spent a billion dollars on ads. So like I can just coach more effectively, but structurally totally different, right? Like Lomi, I've got 50 some engineers and product development people on Pila Case. I've like nine employees in that business that are like head office people. Like it's just a, like a little SEAL team. So similar role for both, but I think peel a case like Mike, I identify with your product drops. Like we do a design drop every two weeks and like I get in there and I'm like, I, I like to talk product and visuals and culture. And I mean, like, I, like, I don't know what you guys like. I love this shit. Like I read about everything globally. Like I just love consumer. What's up everybody. It's Sean from the operators podcast. I'm doing push-ups, but I'm here to tell you about Fulfill, my favorite ERP. I have 30 seconds, so uh, let me think about it. It does accounting. It does order management. If you do wholesale, it helps with ERP uh, or EDI stuff. It's fantastic. Please get on it so I can stop doing push-ups. It is the best order management thing you're going to use. I love you, Fulfill. Talk to you later. I, I really enjoy talking about principles and teaching principles. And so I'm okay with being abstracted out of the detail layer more and more because it's exciting to me to teach. Like I, there was a time in my career where it's like, I like getting in there and being like, oh, cute ghost is crushing it. And so we need right. to do this and this and this. And now it's more like, no, I want to talk about the principles of like regular cadence of drops and what people want is fresh and that we're getting lots of at bats and that they're asymmetric, totally. you know, and uh, there, there are parts of me, I mean, some of the discipline I think for me is that I've, you can't get to the scale that any of us are at without having been a really good player. But at some point you got to be willing to hang up the cleats or you cannot progress. And I mean, we see lots of great examples of that, of guys that like, they're great players, but they're not great leaders, executives, you know, Michael Jordan was a great player, not a great NBA owner. And so like, that's probably my one piece of advice to everybody is that it, what gets you to the scale that we're at is not the same things that helps you to continue to be successful, you know, where, where all of our brands are hopefully going. It's a different set of muscles. You know, um, right. can I well I'll give said. you guys like one of my board, one of my board members, um, just like really got a w great way of framing that Mike, um, and go ahead and steal it. Cause I don't think he'd care, but like the way he explains it to me is like, you know, as the coach, right? The thing that you focus on is the thinking about thinking. So like players do, right? Then there's like leaders who think, and then you as the coach, like you need to think about the thinking and be the one that's helping them through the process, right? So like you ask the questions, like you're a mm -hmm. professional question asker, and mm -hmm. then you shut up and you let them think, mm -hmm. right? And then like, I take my time on Fridays and I, I do my, I do like lots of stuff with that because I'm really focused on the thinking about thinking, right? Which is like, how can I help them better, like better think through this stuff? Like I'm with you, Mike. Like I don't pay attention to like the specific designs, but I do love to help them think through like culturally and trends and like, what am I seeing in the world? What conversations am I having? Like just yeah. different perspective, right? Pattern identification is another totally. good example. Like, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. No, it, it's a great train of thought, but I want to go back to something Matt said earlier and what Jason was talking about, like this, this bigger idea and bigger vision. And I want to hear from the man in black, Jason Cash, uh, <laughs> being the home of, of cooking, right? Like that really sounds like you're going to end up expanding the brand outside of physical products. It sounds like there's going to be Hexclad restaurant activation. It sounds like there's going to be uh, a cooking magazine. Like how much of these new initiatives are you spending time on these these crazy wild ideas i'm just making them up these aren't real real things but or are you still just fucking putting out fires like a firefighter every day at your scale 
Yeah, it's like 50-50. We are working on a lot of those initiatives. You ask me what I'm doing with my day. There's like three things that I can't even talk about tomorrow, like I'm doing tomorrow, right? So unfortunately, I'm involved in a lot of that really. We have some major strategic initiatives, but we talked about making Hexpad a destination for people to think about cooking. The other strategic initiative, like you, you actually mentioned like restaurants. Um, I, Gordon owns a bunch of restaurants. I don't think we're going to open restaurants, but we do have kind of related uh, ideas around helping chefs and doing really cool stuff like a Hexclad Labs is something that we've been kicking around for a while, which I think will be really fun where we take a space and it's like a content house slash pop-up restaurant. And we like cycle through because we just have access to all these chefs who, who love the product. Um, so yeah, I'm spending 50% of my time working on fun stuff like that. And then 50% of my time um, really like being the shrink for people at the company or, or just making sure that I agree on people's decision making. You know, when I was uh, a first year lawyer at Skadden, like the, the managing partner brought us all into the room, 60 first year associates and said, we don't expect you to know anything about the law but we expect you to have good judgment and otherwise we wouldn't have hired you. And it, it does amaze me how lacking judgment is in the business world. I, I just, I just see it all the time. Like I, unfortunately I don't agree with the, the decision making of like 80% of the people I know period. So um, it's about hiring good people and even then you have to keep them on track and make sure they're not making bad decisions. So like Mike says, he's doing his one-on-ones, like you guys are talking about being the coach. For me, it's like trying to help people imp improve their judgment and their decision-making. And unfortunately, not everyone could be sa can be saved and you just have to like shoot it down. But the more people with good judgment you can find, the better it is. And yeah, so those are those are the the three things that I think are keeping me super busy. Well, I just want to say what Jason's saying is great, and I just want to make a counterintuitive point. Helping people develop judgment requires allowing them to fail. And this is one of the reasons why it's so hard is that if you're coaching somebody and you're help, trying to help them get to the next level of being able to make good judgment, make good decisions, they're going to have to have enough leash to be able to make decisions and have the autonomy to make decisions. And sometimes they're going to make decisions that are bad. And if you swoop in and save them or anytime they're going to make a bad decision and exercising not the best judgment, if you swoop in and say, no, no, to do this, do, do this instead, then they're never going to develop it. So it's this combination of coaching them, but giving them the autonomy to make decisions, hopefully not decisions that can like blow up your business, but make decisions with real weight with your counsel, exercising their judgment, and then you're following up with them, good and bad, and helping coach them on how to sharpen their thinking and make better decisions in the future. But I think this is one of the things that often gets missed is that people are like, yeah, I want to coach people. I want to help them make better decisions. But then really what they do is any the, the first moment that that person starts to do something that's not the right call or that they don't think is the right way to move forward, you, you take the wheel back out of their hands and then they can't grow. I'm guilty of that. I think that's great advice, Mike. This has been super awesome. I think it's been heavy. I think it's been deep. We'll pivot into something else that I think is fun. We're all going to pitch each other bad ideas for each other's brands. So, Jason, I got the first idea for you, man. Right off the top of my dome. Okay. Hexclad is the home for cooking. All right. We got to get into making cooking basics. I'm talking Hexclad brand salt. I'm talking Hexclad brand oil. The basic shit, like cooking oil or, or, or cooking wine. Like consumables, you're saying. Consumables, yeah. In the aisle, at my target, I want to see Hexclad salt. So that's my idea for you, man. Let's get that going. Will you invest in my idea? Dude, this is not a bad idea. This is really not. Like, we've actually been, because we have the pepper mill and the salt mill, which crush, particularly the pepper mill. Like, they'll buy the salt mill after Literally. the pepper mill. Like, yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> pardon the pun. We, um, yeah, we should the 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 cooking basics like those staples that are consumable but long lasting, long life. 
It's it's definitely olive oil. there on super the road. premium olive oil. I could totally <laughs> see that. Dude, it's there. There's, it's there's, there on the roadmap somewhere. Nice. There's no premium place to go get spices and seasonings from a D2C brand. So Hexclad, come from my pantry. That's that's what I'm looking for. Do you guys have any bad ideas to pitch each other? What's up, everybody? Sean here from the Operators Podcast. You might know me from my famous Twitter profile. You might know me from, I guess, this podcast. But I'm also a huge supporter of Sendlane. If you are trying to take a bet on the Clavio IPO, might as well take that bet, take that money, switch over to Sendlane. It is guaranteed to pay dividends because it will be cheaper. I just did a bunch of push-ups, so I'm pretty tired. Bad ideas. I don't have bad ideas. No, that's not true. I got a lot of bad ideas. Uh, Sean, you should do a video game. <laughs> you sell that. Like, Ridge, Ridge, Ridge tells to like young dudes that live in basements and shit, right? Like that love video games. <laughs> just for some reason, I've got this picture of like a Ridge customer as like 20-year-old screaming for meatloaf. Like that Will Ferrell scene. <laughs> in whatever the movie was like you should make a video game own your own audience there's my bad yeah, idea for yeah. rich i actually had a great i had a great product idea for rich the other day and i totally forgot what it was sean and i'm gonna remember it though i promise i mean it's actually i'm so annoyed that i didn't my old man brain guys it's just it's hard it's really hard and i got mike mike your uh here's how simple modern gets into consumables crazy idea but you sell actual disposable bottled water. I, so I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally interested in getting the consumables that I've actually, it, you know, like my, my, my worst business, like the joke, bad business ideas, guys, we're going to preload the water bottles with water and then we'll charge more. <laughs> but yeah. uh, we have, we have in all seriousness talked about two things that we've talked about that are interesting. Um, I think what ball is doing with aluminum cups where it's like, they're not, they're, they're disposable, but you could also, they could also be reusable. I think where they're kind of like a tweener, I think is super interesting. And then I think it's real, like the powder kind of water supplement industry is really interesting where, you know, you can make like a prime cells that, for example, like these little packets of powder that cost, you know, whatever five cents to make. And you, I could totally see a world where we get into doing that and we're including one with every unit, you know, because we've got built-in distribution. Yeah, Mike, if you don't do that, there's something wrong with your business, man. Like, you need to be selling, like, uh, yep. the the salt supplement, the flavored supplements, like, it, it, enrich them with vitamins for kids. Like, you, you put you put Mickey Mouse mm -hmm. on there, it's the next Flintstone vitamin, and they're drinking it in the water bottle that you're already shipping to them. So that is that is a must-do for you. That's not a bad idea. That's a good idea. Me trying to get Jason to sell salt over the internet, that's a bad idea. Uh, Mike, you got to do that. That's that's awesome. I will invest in your it's business on, It's on the roadmap, for sure. And it's interesting. I think you know a lot of the questions are like, what are you trying to optimize for? Are you trying to optimize for health? Are you trying to optimize for taste? You know, and, and what does that say about the brand? And because like, I, I think the thing that I love about it is the distribution strategy side of it is actually fairly clear. It's really more exactly like, what do we want to stand for when it comes to, to product? But uh, I, I will say this, Matt, to your point, it drives me crazy sometimes that we will sell water bottles at times for like $20 or $15 in some circumstances, like in younger kids. And then I'll see, I'll see you know, single use disposable water bottles sell for $5 or $6 at an airport. I'm like, this is insane. Like the discrepancy in value here compared to price does not make any sense to me. So I, I don't know that I'll ever, I'll ever do it, but it, I, I see the discrepancy and it drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Matt, my pitch for you, plastic cookware, right? You know, like when you're uh, like, you know, you just like like you're camping or whatever. You have people over, like you throw it all away. Just disposable cutlery, same stuff made out of your materials. It goes inside the pila case. You've already done it with sandwich bags. Just go into the full thing. We're talking plates, plastic cups, everything. <laughs> just do it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I, dude. You know, so the funny thing is, is our material would work for a lot of that stuff. Dude, I'm like sure. It's like, like an FDA approved material. Like it would work for so many things that we just don't, we don't do it. Dude, and that's, that's one of those things where, look, it's so easy. And this is a good lesson for the audience. It's so easy to look at a business and be like, you should do these hundred different things. And it's because you are not in the business. You know what I mean? Like you come into Ridge, be like, oh, you should do, yeah. you should do this shit. I get pitches all the time. And it's like, oh man, there's so much baggage or, or red tape or whatever. But that, I mean, really good disposable cutlery that like can, can be composable goes inside the the, yep. the below me i mean that's a hundred yep. million dollar business man i'm excited for it yeah okay so you know i actually know of like a couple uh like nine figure companies that do make that shit like compostable cutlery for that works in the loamy for nine yeah, and they do nine figures in revenue Jeez. You, you guys would be amazed at like the weird shit that's out in the world. Like, you know, I, this thing, I was thinking of this the other day and I'm like, we know a lot of brands like, and in our, you know, like look at the people sure. that we know, right? We don't know any, like in terms of just like volume and quantity of like companies that make things we're like, we are, we don't know any, um, like I'm, I'm a, are you guys in YPO or anything like that? Like I'm a YPO member and I was looking at like our, I think there's 30,000 YPO people globally. That's crazy. Like, and the, the requirements 000. to get in there are not easy. No, man, like, that's like a, real... you, you are 15 million in revenue minimum to get into YPO. And in some countries it's higher. So like this 30,000 people that run like big, like biz, real companies with employees, this isn't like dipshit in a basement, right? It's like, these are real companies. And I was looking at like the retail network and I was texting Bill or buddy, Bill, Sean, uh, cause he's in YPO too. And I'm like, why, why is like, why is YPO so bad at this e-com DTC? Like we're all the retail people. Like we're all the brands. He's like, they're all yeah. here. They're just 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question for you guys. What do you think the world GDP is? A uh, hundred trillion. This will blow your mind. 90 trillion. The world, yeah. the world, yeah, you guys are very right on it. 96 trillion in 21. Yeah. So if if that was made up of hundred million dollar companies, you would have <laughs> 960,000 hundred million dollar companies. Now we know it's like that's not how it works, but it's kind of to your point, Matt. It's like when you hear about somebody else doing nine figures, you're like, oh my gosh, that's huge. There must not be many. And then you look at like the size. We we just it's almost impossible for our brains to understand the size and scope of the world and how many people there are. Ninety six trillion dollars, it's enormous. Dude, yeah, I mean, sure. there's like a ton of these uh, old like even you know how many like actual clothing brands there are that do like mid eight figures or like into the low nine figures. Like there are a lot of them, mm -hmm. and maybe not even like full on brand brands, but like they're manufacturers of the product. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. This is I one of the things that. whenever people talk about competition, I'm just like, man, the, the, the world will always have a deficit of great operators. Always. Like there's always going to be a shortage. A hundred trillion dollars. How much of that hundred trillion dollars is run by people that are not very competent? You know, my guess is a decent amount, you know, like there's there, the amount of business being done far outstrips the number of really good operators. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so crazy when you see these just kind of death matches in, you know, industries where there's not actually that big of a pie. It's like, man, there's so much business that gets transacted that is just desperate for somebody good and competent to come in and do it a good, do a good job with it. And, and yet, you know, we're going to have whatever 10,000 people try and sell the best leggings through Facebook and compete with each other in a, you know, winner take nothing, you know, I don't know why is picking on leggings this week? I don't know. John, oh, yeah. I got that from Sean. Sean's tweet Sean stuck in my head. All of her leggings on One Twitter. time somebody told Sean that their brand was a legging brand and now Sean's just capping them. Like what's anonymously wrong with through Twitter. Yeah, Mike, I'll, I'll blow your mind with that $100 trillion number. All the revenue Amazon did last year and all the revenue Walmart did last year, put those together, it's 1% of global GDP. So like that means, crazy. that means the two biggest monopolies we know about are capturing 1% of global GDP. Now, 
all of food is in there, all of cars, all of real estate, everything's in there. But like the biggest, most monolithic thing you could think about building, together 1% of GDP, a lot of money to be made. At one point, I have this memory that Jeff Bezos's goal was to have 16% GDP in his control. <laughs> <laughs> like or some number like that, and I just remember thinking, "God, like, give me the confidence to some to to put that on my OKRs, right?" Like Jason, that's Hexclad's new thing. Yeah. 1%. Hey guys, we're not actually GDP. putting together traditional financial goals this year. We're we're going to transition from numbers to percentages of GDP. At some point, Hexclad's growth plan switches from percent year over year growth to. Here's our GDP target. (laughs) Jason's like, guys, think Netherlands. And they're like, oh, we're expanding to the Netherlands. It's like, no, we're going to be bigger than their economy next year. You know what? I was I was texting in the pod, uh, texting in the in the chat earlier. I I was thinking it'd be fun to name a couple of D2C brands that we think are interesting. So I'm gonna do that with my time here for a second, since everyone disregarded all of my suggestions for today's pod um sean the moderator he's not bitter though uh, at all it's no, <laughs> supposed to be like a friend episode talking about our summer you guys are fucking making me work i mean jesus christ i'm just trying to wrap up summer here um so i i well two things about d2c number one you know there are a lot of sock companies out there right now and like nobody makes good socks i've been trying to buy socks nobody makes good socks so someone should go make good socks otherwise i'm gonna do it but um there's this company, uh, Tenor Jewelry, that I think has a really cool value prop because they are, they're, they're, they're very spo- focused. They sell like faith-based, very specific. They actually have a nanotechnology Bible in the jewelry. So, and, and the jewelry is beautiful. They do like 14 karat gold, like really gorgeous stuff. And it made me think about, um, how difficult it is in in D2C right now. And I actually had another, a friend of mine who reached out to me the other day asking me about another cookware brand that's looking for angel money. And I'm just like, I'm telling him the exact same thing that every everyone was telling Danny, like, don't do this. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not like really differentiated, don't do it. And that's why I actually like this brand, Tenor. And like, those are the type of brands that I think are gonna be successful. They have like real differentiation. You know, you have to execute. We talked about the moat. We did a great episode about the moat, but like truly different with an with like a specific audience that is a good specific audience. Um, like the Christian population in the US, even though religion is 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 becoming sort of less and less prevalent amongst a lot of folks, there's still a really core group there. So it's like if you want to sell a good product, if you want to like build a good business, find like a core group of customers that um, like you, you know that they are going to be passionate about something like that's really like just like cooking the right people. We have this fight about cast iron all the time. I'm so glad, Matt, you brought it up like we to me. It's like antique technology, but like there's the cast iron devotees. Find devotees like that's that's the message. Find devotees and sell to them. That's that's that that's a great use of your time, Jason. And we'll also hear about your summer if you want. Tell us about the Hamptons. Tell us how cool it is being. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you're not allowed to know. No, now we got yeah. to do another thing. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's Jason Summer. Oh, I had to go play golf with Elon Musk. I had to go play golf. With- <laughs> The guy who owns the Mets. Yeah, yeah, Jason. We've heard about your summer, but it was great. I get it. All right, Mike. Let's go to you, man. All right. So thing that I like in D2C world, there are a couple of pretty great events coming up that uh, several of us are going to be a part of. We've got the Sin Lane event in San Diego that's happening here in just like 10 days or so. So I'm, I'm fired up about that. I'm going to be at that with uh, the, the crew, and we're going to do a pod on site and i think that's sold out and then uh i'm going to be in new york for amazon innovate uh, i think it's november 14th uh, and i'm going to be joined by sean and a few other friends of the pod uh, that are part of our our text group and uh, we're going to have a panel that i think it's being dubbed the the billion dollar panel because cumulatively the group 
does over a billion dollars in annual sales. So uh, excited about both those events and getting to meet some of the people that listen to the pod in person. I, I generally just say thanks for all the feedback to everybody who is listening to the pod. We, we talk about this internally. It's really been encouraging to each of us that uh, us sitting around and talking is actually helpful to people. So encouraged by that. On the thing I thing I don't love in D2C world, um, Hunter Durham, which is somebody I follow on Twitter, a few of us follow on Twitter, but he wrote a thread yesterday um, that got a lot of exposure. But it's basically him talking about like, hey, here's here's how bankruptcy happens and walking through the moves that that he made and how it led to him being in a really difficult situation, which I really admired, you know, him being willing to put that out there. But I, I think it's anytime you're involved in, you know, the D2C ecosystem, you see people struggling and, and it's hard. It's hard when you see people who are working hard and they're good people, but for whatever reason, you know, the market moving against them or, or some bad luck here or a decision they wish they could get back that they're in a really that they're kind of stuck and they're in a in a bad spot and so i do love that uh i think it's one of the things i've loved about twitter i've loved about this group that i do think we there's a real sense of community and rallying around each other and wanting to be for each other um much less competitive and much more supportive is the way i've experienced the community so i hate that people are going through that but i love that the community does rally around uh, people, especially when they're going through a difficult period. Mike, it's a great point. Bankruptcy can happen to anybody. It is not a moral failure. Like it is what it mm -hmm. is. Like the economy is built on risk taking. Bankruptcy is a byproduct of taking risks. So I wish Hunter the best. He's going to rebound. Has a great family, and he. It doesn't make you a worse person. It could happen to anybody. Matt, I want to hear from you. I'm happy you said that, Sean. That's actually really great. Um. Okay, so like just weird shit, man. Like the buy with Prime thing with Shopify, I don't understand. I, I just don't. It just takes, it makes my head hurt. Like if you're like, why would we want that as a brand? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I I was caught off guard by the um, was it uh, FlexPay, the CEO, like the Amazon guy, like who just got there left. Flexport. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, the Dave Flexport Clark thing was super interesting. And there's yeah, a rumor he's going to run for the governor of Texas. Like, what a crazy yeah. story. Look, it's the shipping side of our business, right? But still, like, come on. It just, it, it was like such a big thing when he got there. And it felt like just yesterday that he got there. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, I want to go with Jason's thing, though, like brands that I'm, I think are really cool and I'm keeping sort of an eye on. There's this, I don't know, none of you guys smoke, I don't think, but have you heard of Fume? Yes. Try Fume, T-R-Y-F-U-M. Yeah, so this kid, Brayden, he's in Alberta, he's a Canadian kid. Uh, dude, the brand's killing it. And it's like, what I love is like, Jason, to your point, like, you know, um, go where the crazies or go where like there's people who are like super into something. Like he's helping people quit smoking and he's doing it in a like really healthy way. It's so, like, there's no nicotine, there's no vaping, there's no nothing. It's just a cool product. And I think he's executing really well. So it's just nice to see it's like innovative approach to like an eight, like a very old problem that is actually, and I hate to say it, it's probably going to make the world a better place. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's a great use of your time, Matt. Uh, I'll talk about the, <laughs> the Shopify buy with prime thing. Look, Shopify yeah. continues to impress me. I've, I've been a Shopify critic for a long time because they have a monopoly in the market and they charge us a lot of money, but they could abuse the monopoly more and they don't. Clavio is trying to abuse the monopoly. Like they just sent an email out to everybody that there's no more discounts starting as soon as they go the IPO and it's because they have to show revenue growth. That is an email from, from their chief revenue officer that all discounts are going out the door. But Shopify could totally abuse the monopoly and they don't. Harley continues to find himself on the winning end of everything. The Flexport thing, he owns 13% of it. Shopify owns 13% of that, right? And like that's going to end up being an amazing play. Them getting to bed with Amazon, I said a year ago, maybe not a year ago, maybe six months ago, that within 12 months, uh, you'll be able to check out on Amazon.com or the Amazon mobile app with ShopPay as a version. I think this is them getting into bed with Amazon. Like there obviously won't be any sort of merger or whatever, but like I think they both know that 
the world is split in two. You either buy on Amazon or you buy on a Shopify store. And like, they're just going to get deep, deeper and deeper relationships. So being able to check out on Shopify and use Amazon inventory, I think is, is smart. So that'll be use of my time. I want to thank Fulfill for being the shining light that carries me through every single day. Thank you, Fulfill. You are our flagship sponsor. Still a shout out to Send Lane. You know, I th- hopefully we can record the podcast we're doing at the Send Lane Live event. It's going to be awesome. A lot of excitement around that. Uh, shout out Northbeam, as always. Logging in every single day, checking my results. And thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I hope this one didn't suck. I hope it actually gets released. And just to end it on a good note, fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching!